Welcome to the Cause I Love You podcast, a series of conversations designed to convene faith, civic, and nonprofit leaders in and around Colorado Springs. We want to foster greater collaboration between faith and civic partners so the church can be our city's greatest contributor towards human flourishing. Each month, we explore topics and struggles impacting people in the Pikes Peak region and connect you to the leaders that are working to end suffering and increase flourishing. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Cuz I Love You podcast. We are glad that you're here. I'm excited for today's conversation, but first I need to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, Executive Yikes. Director Stu Davis. Yikes, let's not use that introduction anymore. That's <laughs> the, the last time. The tallest man in the world. That's, well, that's definitely not true Just either. from my vantage point. Just from point. your perspective. Yeah, from right. my vantage yeah. point. Stu, I'm excited for today and this conversation that we have. Um, can you talk a little bit about who we're interviewing? Yes, I am. Honestly, I'm so thrilled to have this conversation. More so, I'm just thrilled to have this connection because Andy Barton is the, is the CEO of Catholic Charities here locally. Andy and I have been friends for a number of years. He does so much good in the city. But our new friend is Bishop James Golka, uh, Jim Golka, as he introduces himself to people. Um, new, uh, like within the last year, um, local bishop of our Catholic diocese in central Colorado. And I mean, what a wonderful man, just yeah. unassuming, humble, and just really has a heart for our community, for both the ministry side and the charity side. So to be able to kind of bridge this maybe kind of divide that sometimes happens between our Catholic and Protestant communities here in our city, and really broader in the Pikes Peak region, I'm just excited for this conversation and for what could come from it. I love that. And I remember a couple months ago, you came back from a meeting with Bishop Golka, just excited about the heart for collaboration. Um, You found that, man, there's just this desire to see our Protestant church um, work alongside our Catholic diocese. Yeah, I, I had heard a number of people talk about Bishop Golka um, and didn't, but didn't really know what to expect going into our meeting. Is this something where we needed to kind of like work on building a relationship and trust, or was there going to be something already present in the room? Mm. And the thing that stood out to me in that first meeting was, first of all, how many times he referred to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And this maybe just shows my lack of um, maybe experience with Catholic friends and our Catholic community, but I just haven't been in the presence of a Catholic who's spoken so much about mm. the role of the Holy Spirit, not just in his own life but in the life of his work and his ministry. He prayed for me at the end of that meeting Mm -hmm. and for Because I Love You in such a gentle and sincere way that I just felt, man, there is so much opportunity for, uh, certainly for our two organizations to work together, but also just for so much more relationship to be fostered. And that's what we're going to hear more of in this conversation. I love that. So listeners, we have a great conversation queued up. We're excited for you to hear what our Catholic diocese brothers and friends and just collaborators have to share. Um, Without further ado, here we go. Well, hello, Cuz I Love You friends, fans, and followers. Thank you for joining us for another great conversation here on the Cuz I Love You podcast. I'll, I'll welcome our two guests here in just a moment, but a proper welcome, I think, really requires kind of a proper setup and an introduction. And as any of you who follow Cuz I Love You know, our mission is to unite and ignite the Church of Colorado Springs so that every woman, man, and child experiences the tangible love of God. And we talk about that tangible thing quite a bit. We've done that in other episodes. And while we've gained some traction toward that end over the last four years, one of my personal, maybe just call it biggest disappointments, has been the gap of partnership that exists between our Catholic and Protestant churches in and around Colorado Springs. And it is not for lack of effort or desire that's nobody's fault. It just is one of those things that has existed for quite a while. And it's a, it's a longstanding challenge that I think it needs work to address. And that's why we're here. The reality is we have a robust and active Catholic community in and around the Pikes Peak region that does so much to address local needs. And if we are at all serious about working toward that goal of every woman, man, and child, it can only be done by finding ways for these two arms of the local church, Catholic and Protestant, to work together. So I've invited two guests to join me today to talk about how we can do that better here in Colorado Springs. 
The first guest is relatively new to Colorado Springs, but someone I am certainly excited to get to know and find ways to work with, Bishop James Golka. He is quick to introduce himself as Jim, um, but he's the newly appointed Bishop of the Diocese of Colorado Springs, which we'll unpack in just a minute. Bishop, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for accepting the invitation to be a part of our community here in Colorado Springs. Hey, thank you, Stu. I appreciate the invitation and enjoyed our first conversation that we had when you came to visit us and introduce yourself, so it's great to be here and continue the conversation. Likewise. So glad that you're here. Our second guest is a friend and a longtime co-conspirator for good in Colorado Springs, Andy Barton. Andy has been the CEO of Catholic Charities of Central Colorado since 2015, And admittedly, I've been around Andy more than I have Bishop Golka, so to say nothing of our new bishop, I can just tell you that Andy is one of the humblest and hardest working nonprofit leaders in our city and is constantly finding new ways to serve hurting people here in Central Colorado. So Andy, thanks so much for being here, my friend. Thank you, Stu. It's always good to hang out with you and appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, likewise. Okay, Jen, so I I, I actually wanted to have this conversation for some time. I'm, I'm thrilled that it's come to fruition, but I think we just need to give some context that might maybe help someone who's listening that might be unfamiliar with kind of, like I said, these two arms of the Catholic Church locally, Catholic Diocese and Catholic Charities. So Bishop, you oversee so much, um, but for the sake of this conversation, let's have you just talk about the church and ministry side of our Catholic community. And then Andy, I'd like you to talk about the charity, social justice, and community benefit work that Catholic Charities does. Bishop, let's start with you. Sure. So the Catholic Church is divided geographically by diocese, and it's a way to organize the church and help us better focus to continue the mission of Jesus Christ in a local particular way. So here in Colorado, 1983, there was a determination that we needed another diocese because Denver was growing so big and it was just kind of hard for them to organize everything. Mm -hmm. So the Diocese of Colorado Springs was established. And so we take up uh, 10 counties, kind of the center eastern part of our state. Mm -hmm. Uh, We go all the way up into the southern Denver suburbs, Highland Ranch, Parker area. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we go as far east as Kansas and then as far west as Leadville. And so up into the mountains. And I think Leadville is the highest altitude Catholic parish in the country, I think. Wow, wow. Um, so it's a, it's a, a geographically diverse area. Yeah, very much the so. The plains of Kansas to the mountains, then the urban area of Colorado Springs, southern Denver. Um, and so the diocese is one way to help us just to focus our ministry, to organize better how to serve God and God's people in this area. Mm-hmm. So just to drill down a little bit, I mean, you mentioned it, a very diverse area, a very large geographic area, and we're talking about uh, a growing city here in Colorado Springs that has how many local parishes? Yeah, so we have, in the diocese, we have 39 parishes, Mm -hmm. and that's spread out over a pretty big area. For a little um, perspective, I'm a new bishop here. I've been here for 11 months and two weeks, but who's counting, you know? (laughs) Uh, Prior to that, I was a priest in central and western Nebraska for about 27 years and loved the rural area of western and central Nebraska. So the diocese where I was sent to serve as bishop, Colorado Springs, is only one-fifth the size of the diocese that I came from in Grand Island, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. So I'm used to a bigger area than this. So when I came here, our priests would complain that they'd have to drive two hours, and I would laugh and say, we would do that for lunch (laughs) back in Nebraska, you know? Um, But conversely, we we here have five times more population than the diocese of Grand Island, Nebraska. We also have the same number of priests. So our priests here are serving five times more people than the folks in Nebraska were doing. Okay. So they're working hard. Um, They serve, a, a, like you said, a growing population. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been trying to study and prepare for five and 10 years from now. Where's the population going to be? What do we need to do? Where do we need to be? Mm. Um, So I'm excited about some consultants who have helped us with that and some groups that are going to help us envision how to maybe do parish placements better to where the population is going to grow, northeast of Colorado Springs, Mm -hmm. southeast of Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting, but it's also daunting. Yeah. Andy, I promise we'll get to you in a minute. I just want to ask you one more question, though, Bishop. So with all of that to oversee, uh, what tends to take up your time and focus? How do you kind of define your role within this huge area and all these people? Sure. Just on a side, as a priest, I never desired to be a bishop. So that's a call that comes from the Holy Father and the Holy Spirit. I love being a pastor. So part of my goal, I guess, is to try to be a pastor of a diocese now instead of just a particular parish. So what takes up most of my attention is prayer and trust in our Lord. So if I'm not praying and spending time with him and trusting him and listening to him, then we're going to be lost. Mm -hmm. So I tell people my agenda is to discern what does Christ want us to do? Where does he want us to go? And then we go there. Now, having said that, most of my time is with administrative duties, meetings, 
um, both envisioning and trying to figure out how to solve issues that come up. So I'm trying to balance the two things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I can just say just from the couple of times that you and I have had the chance to spend some time together, I feel that from you, your kind of pastor's heart and your desire to just be present, not just with people, but with the Holy Spirit as well. So, all right, Andy, your turn. Catholic Charities, I mean, it does so much. There's so many things going on. I've been exposed to a number of the programs that you guys have, everything from homeless services to family housing to immigration support, uh, and, and really so much more. It's, I mean, honestly, it's an impressive array of ministries and services. Can you try to summarize some of what you do and just help us understand maybe some of the numbers and kind of all the things that are underneath this Catholic Charities umbrella? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, the, to be able to to move off of uh, or to play off of the way that Bishop Golka talked about the diocese, when you look at the Catholic Church serving um, serving those 10 counties within the diocese, Catholic Charities is the, the Church's uh, mechanism for charitable service throughout that area. Um, so, so we work um, philosophically in partnership with our parishes and our pastors throughout that uh, diocesan uh, region to provide provide services for our poor and vulnerable um, where they exist. And I, you know, I think that's that's a very Christian approach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the the Catholic version of it is that we're we're aligned with that larger church that that has the the geographic uh, area. So the our primary services are provided in Colorado Springs out of the Marion House and our Helen Hunt campus. Marion House services are geared more toward adults and our Helen Hunt campus is geared almost entirely toward families. Uh, we try to separate those two populations, and then we have um, a, an office location up in Douglas County as well. So uh, we're serving where the population is densest, um, and there's some nuances to how you do and work with communities, um, rural versus urban communities that we could talk about later, but that's the Douglas County and El Paso County are our primary service locations. And and as you said, we um, we try to address poverty and vulnerability in the ways that it presents itself in those communities. So, um, so we do provide a daily meal at the Marion House. Um, we provide uh, emergency items for children, formula, clothing uh, out of our Helen Hunt campus. But we also do a lot of preventative and di- diversion work, a lot of housing, um, uh, rent uh, assistance, homelessness prevention, um, partner with our local um, hospital at Penrose St. Francis around health services out of the Marion House. We provide uh, immigration services uh, within both communities and throughout the diocese. So I think philosophically it is, um, you know, we, within the Catholic Church, we talk about Catholic social teaching, and one of the tenets is, is the common good, which I think is really Christian mm-hmm. social teaching, mm-hmm. and that, in essence, is what we're trying to do in recognition that we're um, in the communities that we're in, we recognize that um, those communities are only as strong as our most vulnerable, and so, uh, like the Good Samaritan, we we want to go to them and um, and help get them back on their feet. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that idea of the common good. I don't have the episode number in front of me. I know that we had a conversation with a gentleman named Dave Runyon, who's a friend of mine up in the Denver area, that really kind of talks a lot about this idea of the common good. And so, if you're listening, you can go back and. Uh, look at that episode with with Dave Runyon and talk more about the common good. Andy, just last thing here, just on this note, just to give us an, an idea of w- the scope of what we're talking about. Are there any numbers you can attach to something you said? I mean, budget size or programs or the con- numbers of people that you guys are serving annually, something like that. Yeah, we so we we have over seventy five programs, so that usually just works to complicate the conversation more. <laughs> but um, lots of different programs, just because we try to gear programs toward the specific populations we're serving. And in this last year, we served a little over 100,000 unduplicated individuals throughout the diocese. Um, And the numbers of services tend to repeat because we'll see folks multiple times. But um, we see a lot of people come through our doors, uh, especially around services like meals and um, and some of the uh, homelessness prevention work. Uh, We're about a medium-sized Catholic charities. We're uh, our annual budget's about $10 million. And, and that makes us a really robust health human service agency within El Paso County and Douglas County. So um, that's, um, we we have the um, uh, in, 
incredible support of our faith community, both the Catholic and Protestant communities in the work we do, and um, and gives us the ability to have some some scale and scope in, in what we do. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's that's a lot. Uh, that is, it's quite a bit. Um, and especially for those who may not be unaware, who, who may be unaware of Catholic Charities and all that you guys do, it, it at least kind of sets a stage and paints a picture for how much work you guys are doing throughout this large area. So, Bishop, I know that you technically oversee Andy and uh, kind of what happens with Catholic Charities, but I have to imagine that you really trust his leadership, his experience in our community. Uh, just help me understand, how do the two of you work together? Is it kind of a left-hand, right-hand uh, kind of dynamic? Or, Andy, are you kind of implementing the action arm of what the bishop is directing overall? Kind of help us understand what that dynamic looks like. Yeah, I think I'm smart enough to stay out of Andy's way. <laughs> That's um, good. I, it's easy to identify his leadership and respect that he gathers from people. So um, we are so blessed to have him mm-hmm. to be a partner. So, uh, yeah, I'm an overseer as bishop, but uh, what Andy's Catholic Charities does their own day-to-day, and then I meet with them regularly to just look at the mission, the over overarching view of what are we doing, where are we going, any major decisions, mostly prayerful support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. So you've been here, as you mentioned, just a shade under a year. Uh, you're relatively new to Colorado Springs. You came into the midst of this COVID pandemic and tried to find some some footing. I mean, what a time to start for, for, for certain. Um, but as you've gotten the lay of the land since then, what are some of the things that stand out to you about not just Colorado Springs, but the Pikes Peak region, good, bad, in between. What are some things that have caught your attention? Yeah, it's a diverse area, you know. We've mm-hmm. got um, people all across the spectrum, politically, religiously. Um, my early sense is um, in the Christian community, and maybe my sense of the Catholic community that I was with, is there's a ton of potential here for incredible good. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the people that I meet, and just one part of that is the number of retired military that we have in the area who are incredibly talented people who now have time that they want to take their gifts and give them back to the church is an incredible gift that I had not seen elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That's just one small example. Um, so we've got some educated, dedicated, well-formed people here ready to serve the Lord if we just allow them uh, a place in the mission of the church, I guess. Yeah. Um, early on, I realized that uh, our priests, and I was a pastor during COVID. Um, I was in Nebraska. I think we had 15 COVID funerals within the first month that mm. COVID hit. And so our priests are wounded from that. Uh, it's a burden. We just try to care for the people. And they got beat up on both sides. Yeah. Make a decision about wearing a mask or not. And so, yeah. and so I really want to care for them. Um, if our priests are healthy and happy, they're going to better serve the people of God, we know. Yeah. Um, also, I think mental health is a huge issue that's going to face us the next in the coming years. And I hear people asking for it. Uh, recently, I went to all the different deaneries of our diocese and spent two hours just listening to their concerns for the church. And mental health came up at every one of them. Mm. Just people asking for more assistance from the church in that area. Yeah. So I'm excited, but I'm also just aware of the wound that COVID has given us and the lack of civility and division in our culture is present here too, you know? It's hard to have a civil conversation with people, and I, uh, I, I long that we can be civil again. Uh, agreed. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Andy, it's almost opposite for you. You've been here in town for years. You have watched our community grow. Undoubtedly, you've seen kind of old challenges get bigger, certainly new ones pop up. Given your history in our city, how would you describe where we are as a community right now? And again, Colorado Springs and, and perhaps beyond. Yeah, you know, the, it's it's funny. I was born and raised here. I can remember going to Sky Sox games and sitting in the, um, when we still had the Sky Sox, sitting in the, the bleachers and looking out on Prairie. And now you sit at that baseball field out on the east side of town and there's houses as far as you can see. And and I think that's an indication. I, it, the I, We are growing and I think there are uh, pains that that come with growth uh, as as well as benefits. And from our perspective, I th- think that um, some of the pains that we see that come with the growth and the success that the city has had when you have a city that is um, listed in the top five and sometimes at the top spot of the most desirable places to be, it's driving up housing prices uh, and it is pushing the, um, the populations, the families and individuals who we see on a daily basis toward the margin. 
questions. And, and that's a reality that, um, that is both economic and it is, I think, social. And, um, and, I, and I think that's my, my biggest concern and my greatest hope. I think it's a hope that spreads out to the faith community in general, because I, I think if, as you have an influx of people within the community, if you have a mechanism for engaging those folks in taking care of their neighbors, um, then you have a chance to be able to manage some of the um, some of the harsh re- economic realities that that brings. And um, so I think that the the pain around growth and my hope that um, and and the fact that this remains a um, a uh, a pretty robust faith-based community, mm-hmm. a strong faith community, and um, throughout all denominations, and and my hope is that that continues to to be able to support people. I agree wholeheartedly with what Bishop Golka said around the the mental health issues that <clears throat> seem to be uh, just increasing exponentially. Um, and and once again, I think building community, especially when you have a lot of folks who are coming in from the outside, the faster we can build that community, the happier people are going to be. The yeah. more um, the more supportive that's going to be. I, yeah, you know, the it, our our centers are changing. The downtown has um, has changed in the mm-hmm. time that we've been here. Mm-hmm. We operate out of a downtown uh, that has gone through a lot of different changes. But I, it's it's funny. I I feel more comfortable walking around the downtown of Colorado Springs now than I did Agreed. 25 years ago. Yep. I think it's a really robust downtown community. So I have a lot of faith. I think we've got good community leaders, good government leaders, and in, incredible nonprofit and faith community leaders yeah. as well. Lots to be grateful for and thankful for and aware of on, in a positive way, but also there are some challenges that come with some of those growth issues and even some of the very positive leadership uh, people and policies that have been put in place. There's definitely, that brings in some challenges that folks who don't have a social connection, I think we've talked about on this on this podcast before that poverty beyond just a lack of things or even resources is really a lack of connection. And relationship and support. And so I think, I mean, that's some of the work that you guys do is to try to connect people to relationships and support that can, beyond just the material support that people need, rent and utilities and food and those things, connects them to people that can really help them. And I think that's what we want to continue to foster in our community. So let's just drill down into the Catholic community locally for just a few minutes. I'm going to assume that at least some of our listeners maybe need a better understanding of how the Catholic community in Southern and Central Colorado is connected. So let me just give a few numbers here. Uh, The Diocese of Colorado Springs, we've talked about already, is is 10 counties. Um, It's inhabited by just over 1.1 million people, 16% of which, that's about 190,000 people, identify as Catholic. So getting comparable numbers of Protestants in the same area is probably a little bit tricky because there's just too many denominations, so it's hard to kind of make some comparisons. But that is a substantial percentage of that population, but it is quite spread out. So for both of you, how do you give appropriate time and attention to the needs of a large growing city like Colorado Springs, but also to a spread out rural area that has, I guess, what I would guess is a very different and unique set of needs? How do you manage that? I would say uh, when I first arrived, most weekends I was unscheduled. So I had free Sundays, which is odd for a priest, you know, or a bishop. <laughs> so I scheduled every weekend to go visit a different parish. And I would go spend the whole weekend there. So I was, Saturday night, we have an evening mass, confessions before that, Sunday, two or three masses. And for me, that was golden time. It was mm. a good way to, I'm a visual learner, I think. So seeing the people, seeing the priests with their people, seeing the buildings, seeing the community. Uh, and, and I think for the people too, they enjoyed having their new bishop just come and be with them. Yeah. And it's a humbling thing for a new bishop to be able to, to do that. So I think that gave me a, a first glance at um, some of the gifts and some of the needs of the community. And then just to try to keep an eye, for example, this Saturday we have a youth rally. And we would usually have that in Colorado Springs because most people are here, but we're going to Lyman on Saturday mm. and inviting the whole diocese to go there. Mm. And they're excited to bring city kids out to see a buffalo. Um, <laughs> and pray. We're going to do a mass outside on a ranch field. And so just to try to be attentive to where the people are mm. mm-hmm. um, is exciting for me as a new bishop, I guess. Yeah, it's very good. Andy, I know for you, the charitable side. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I'm remembering bishop, that included going out to the Eastern Plains and staying motels that didn't have heat in the middle of winter, I believe. <laughs> so, and, that was hard. <laughs> and that's, that's not nothing. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Rural communities, small rural communities are really good at taking care of um, of each other mm-hmm. uh, by virtue of their size and I think 
and, and I think there's some different um, kind of sensibilities maybe that still exist in rural communities, especially on our eastern plains. And so we find that uh, a lot of those eastern plain communities have um, they have some smaller uh, kind of grassroots organizations that are uh, fulfilling a lot of the needs within the communities. Those pastors within those parishes and those communities do a lot from setting up uh, food pantries to working with the local hospitals. And uh, so in the rural communities, we really try to be um, be present to fulfill needs when they come up. And those needs tend to be um, uh, pretty immediate and, um, and really specific. So mm-hmm. it might be backpacks and uh, shoes for students in Lyman in the fall as they're getting ready to go back to school. Um, we're working with Leadville around uh, a grant for disaster recovery, uh, getting a, a generator up there. So mm. really finite uh, kind of responses, whereas within the urban communities, it is a, a longer-term engagement in some of those, um, some of the issues around uh, poverty and vulnerability that some just get a little bigger. Some of the more systemic bigger. things, yeah. 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 So... Um, so it's it, we're available um, we're available to our uh, partner parishes throughout the diocese, um, but we spend probably eighty percent of our time in in Douglas County and El Paso County mm. just because that's where eighty percent of the need is. Yeah, yeah. I would also add that in the rural communities, the Christian churches work better together, and I think that's because uh, so we call that ecumenism. We work together as the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. The, the, the denomination doesn't matter as much. And I think that's because they know each other yeah. and they, they're used to working together and they just kind of use the resources they have to try to serve the people. And so as a pastor, that was my experience. I loved being in the rural communities. There's a better sense of uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, I guess. Kind of that interconnectivity. Yeah, very yeah. much. And yeah. in a big city, it's harder to know your neighbor. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so glad that you're saying that and not to get too far off of kind of where we need to go in this conversation. It really is... And we, I mean, we even prayed about this before we started this uh, this recording. Was just to say, it's not so much about working together as much as it is knowing and trusting one another. Yeah, amen. And I think if we can continue to foster a sense of of interconnectedness, and I know my neighbor, I know my coworker, I know who this person is, that we are we're connected by the things we share in common, and not divided by the things that separate us or, or where we differ. Gosh, that would make such a difference in our ability to continue to just not only create community, but serve people who are, who are struggling yeah, amen. and that's, do so together. That's one thing our current uh, Pope Francis uh, calls us to, is to walk with each other, to listen to people, people who dis- you disagree with, people of a different religion. And he believes if you sit down and have a meal together and a conversation together, that can change the world. Yeah, oh, that's so good. And we're like, that's what Jesus did, you know? Yeah. Hey, everybody, in the midst of this conversation, we're just going to take a second to interrupt and just tell you about something that's coming up very, very soon that we would love for you to participate in. And in doing so, I want to introduce you to somebody, maybe reintroduce, because she's been on this podcast once before, our current intern, Miss Molly Jacobs. Molly, it is great to have you here. Hi, Stu. It's great to be back on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for all the work that you've been putting into Cuz I Love You and specifically into this big, big event that's coming up right around the corner, yeah, which is called the Backpack Bash. The Backpack Bash. Molly, tell us very briefly what is the Backpack Bash? Yeah, so the Backpack Bash is a community event happening here in Colorado Springs. We will be at six locations on either July 30th or August 6th to give out 12,000 backpacks to students in need. And it's not just the backpacks and school supplies. There's also other right. things happening at these locations. Yeah, so we'll as have well. additional health services and just fun things for the community to get involved in and learn what is out there for them. Yeah, and so you've been working for months on putting this thing together, and now we are coming into like the last, the home stretch here. We How sure are you feeling are. about it? I am feeling so encouraged by the work of the community. We have over 35 donation locations happening right now in wow. the city. So if you were hoping to get involved, you can go to one of those locations. You can visit backpackbash.com and see the donation drop-off locations, including nine Walmart stores, and that is up to July 17th. Okay, so there's a good chance that somebody's listening to this, and it's not July. We've passed July 2022, <laughs> but for those who are like, 
the early subscribers to our podcast, it's July 1st and they're on it, or maybe it's early <laughs> July and you're listening to this podcast, there's a few things that somebody could do if they wanted to be helpful. Totally. What are those things that they could do right now? Yeah. So like Stu said, if it is early July and you're out of town or on vacation or just busy and can't get to one of those donation bins and you still want to be involved, you can go to backpackbash.com and for just $11 donate everything that a student will need to get back to school strong. So that will include a backpack and school supplies. Or you can go to cuzilloveyou.com or backpackbash.com and sign up to volunteer on either July 30th or August 6th. That's so great. Okay, so they can go to a local retailer, including all of our local Walmarts, and they right. can donate right there yep. at that point. If they happen to shop somewhere else other than Walmart, we have 35 locations all over the city. That's right. If they don't happen to have time to just go out and shop, they can donate online. And if they really want to go the extra mile, they could even volunteer on either one of those two dates. July exactly. You got 6th. it. There's wow. so many ways to get involved. So many good ways. So friends, if you want to be involved, if you care about families and helping kids get a great start to the school year, backpackbash.com is where they go. Anything else, Molly? I think you got it. How's your experience been with Cause I Love You this year? This has been the best six months of my life living in Colorado. It's been so fun. So grateful to be here. And she said that with her boss sitting in the room. So <laughs> thank you. You get a raise. Good job. Thanks. All right. We'll get you back to the conversation with our friends, James Golka and Andy Barton. One of the things that I admire about the Catholic tradition really is the unshakable tie, and you mentioned it, I think, Andy, already, is between faith and action. In many ways, at least from my vantage point, there are so many, there's so much I think that Catholic um, Christians do that could set an example for our Protestant uh, Christians um, in terms of just the tireless efforts that our Catholic brothers and sisters make to serve the poor and the hurting as an extension of their faith. And, and so much of that action is channeled through Catholic Charities, but I know it goes well beyond that, and Andy, you, you can speak to that. Likewise, Catholic Charities enjoys support from churches and people who are not Catholic. And so the Catholic community has its own kind of, um, if I could use the term, kind of baked-in avenues for, for Christian charity, but there's also a mingling of Catholics involved in non-Catholic efforts and non-Catholics involved in Catholic efforts. And so there's partnerships already out there. Um, maybe, Andy, start with you. What are some of the areas that you either see Catholics and Protestants already working together, or you think like we could be doing it even more, more robustly? Yeah, I, you know, I think the, sometimes the, the, whatever separations there are between the Catholic and, and Protestant faiths are lost on me a little bit just because what, it, what we see in practice at Catholic Charities on a, on a Tuesday at the Marion House where we will have 60 volunteers serving the daily meal, um, we will have folks from um, multiple faith backgrounds working yep. together, and, and we have the First Presbyterian Church group that is there every week. We have the Lutheran group that is there every week working alongside the, uh, the St. Paul Parish. So we get to see in action some uh, really incredible ecumenical mm -hmm. approaches to this work. And I, I think even, Stu, the, the relationship that we have is, is indicative of some of that just because of what you've done with CityServe and, and the, the background with Springs Rescue Mission, which is a more kind of Protestant mm -hmm. and Catholic charities and the, the partnership there being really strong. Um, it, we see it through CityServe and the fact that CityServe is, is out working with uh, the Marion House and working on our family campus with our family festivals uh, throughout COVID when uh, CityServe was helping to deliver items from our family, some of those critical diapers formula to families who mm -hmm. couldn't get out during COVID. So I, the the um, interaction between the Catholic and Protestant uh, communities that we see in kind of the the charitable side of the church are really, really profound mm -hmm. and deep, and and we would not be able to do what we do without without that um, without that interplay. Same mm -hmm. is true with some of the um, the Protestant organizations mm -hmm. in town. So um, so I think that's really one of the one of the pieces that. Um, uh, it helps contribute to and defines the success of, of our ability as a Christian community to serve um, those in need in the community is, yeah. is just that there are those, those barriers tend to go away when it's how do we best serve our neighbors. Mm -hmm. So for either of you, again, Bishop, you're relatively fresh eyes in our community. Andy, you've been here for such a long time. Are there areas where you think that 
sense of partnership and collaboration could could even grow or, or we could move into things that perhaps we haven't tapped on yet. Yeah, there's always room for improvement, I think, uh, in the body of Christ. Some of our pastors are involved in um, in gatherings of other religious leaders, and most of our pastors are just so busy caring for their flock that it's yeah. hard for them to think about how to work with Protestant brothers and sisters better. Mm-hmm. So I would like us to get to the point where we can do that better. Agreed. Um, and a side story, I was talking to a pastor yesterday of one of our big parishes up in Douglas County, and he said that the head of his buildings and grounds committee is a neighbor who saw that a building needed work. So he just came over and said, can I work on that building? And he found out six months later, the guy's not Catholic. Now the guy's the head of a committee in the Catholic church. And he told the pastor, getting involved here led me back to my Protestant church. So mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm going there on Sundays, but can I still help you in your church? Yeah. I thought that's beautiful. That's what it's about. Yeah, that's really great. Andy, any thoughts? Yeah, I don't. I think um, the just the the openness, the listening piece that Bishop Golka talked about. Um, I, I think there is there's always room to do more of that. Um, you know, throughout the community, the the more that the um, the message, and again, going back to something that like what cause I love you does in unifying that kind of that conversation and, and helping people understand Catholic Protestant understand the all the similarities mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm you know we're I'm partial to um, service to our poor and vulnerable mm-hmm. when we see all the similarities in, in our approaches the the more of that we can do uh, the better it's going to be for the fa- folks we're trying to serve yeah yeah I agree okay I want to turn a corner here just for maybe just a couple minutes and I want to acknowledge something here as a way to perhaps get to something better. So nationally, even globally, the Catholic Church has come under some pretty intense scrutiny for sexual abuse allegations, some of which has landed right here in our own community. And it's incredibly tragic and something that I know both of you would say we need to acknowledge and heal from, but also find ways to put behind us and refocus on doing better. We don't ever want to diminish the pain of those tragedies, but we just can't allow ourselves to think that it's all that the church, the Big C Church, could be known for. It's also important to acknowledge that the Protestant Church has not been immune um, to some very similar and in some ways even worse tragedies. A few Catholic and Protestant leaders um, alike, even locally, have abused their positions of influence or authority in ways that have caused, I think, some real damage to people. And that is very true. But while it's important to acknowledge the pain that's caused by a few, it would really be an even worse mistake to let those stains diminish what I would say are the, is the good work and the great efforts of so many to just lead people well, to serve people well, to help solve problems in our community. So for the sake of this conversation, I just want to acknowledge that our Catholic community has been amongst the most active and effective in pursuing the biblical mandate to care for widows, orphans, the poor, the sick, the incarcerated, and so many others. So let me just ask, having said all of that, what are the, how are the two of you trying to just navigate this season for the Catholic Church? Again, acknowledging some of these really hard things, but also trying to maintain a focus on so many good things that are also happening. Yeah, since I've been a priest, the topics like safe environment and child protection have been a day-to-day conversation piece. Um, the abuse of children is a horror. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it's diabolical. And as a, as a priest, nothing has made me as angry as seeing uh, or hearing of another priest abusing his position to mm-hmm. abuse a vulnerable child. There's, and that breaks my heart. So having said that, especially as a bishop, I feel a mandate to do everything possible to make sure our vulnerable are safe. Mm-hmm. And that's the reign of God. So the reign of God is a place where everyone feels safe. Everyone has dignity. Everyone has value. And so to do protection of children isn't just like a practical thing. It's a religious thing, too. Yesterday, I spent a half an hour with our diocesan director of child protection. He's a former police officer. He's an ordained deacon, an incredibly caring man who's doing anything he can to protect our children. I have a good friend who's a Lutheran bishop in Nebraska, and he says, um, we hurt with the Catholics. We have the same things. He says, when a Catholic priest abuses, it's on page one of the paper. When one of his ministers does, it's on page 10. And he says that um, they've learned from the Catholic kind of safe environment policies, how to implement those in their churches. And it, so it's not a better than the other, but it's a working together and learning from each other. Mm-hmm. I think our Southern Baptist brothers and sisters are really wounded right now. Yep. And so to pray with them and for them and to, the church is always in need of reform. The evil one is always going to try to disrupt us. So to be vigilant about letting the spirit lead, guide, direct, protect. Mm-hmm. So if that makes sense. Yeah. Andy, anything to add to that? 
No, I, you know, I think that's um, the I've I've worked in uh, childcare settings, I've worked in hospital settings, and I've I've never been through more intensive um, uh, training and um, governance around protective services for kids than I have within the Catholic Church. So I do think that the church has done a really nice job of responding to it. I, I, there's an interesting. I'll digress real quickly. We um, as an example, but the last summer there was a, a, a news stories came up around past uh, abuses at. Catholic schools for Indigenous people in Canada, and there was a response locally. A, a group delivered shoes, youth children's shoes, to the diocese in protest of the unmarked graves that had been found in Canada. And I, that's not the current, but it's it speaks to I think some of the how do we deal with these pieces of uh, the history of the church and and the response to that. And and it speaks to Bishop Golka's leadership. I think was to to lean into that. That ended up being. Um, um, a, uh, a, we ended up taking those schools to a local, to the Catholic high school, talking a little bit about the history and what had led to this and what we do and, and how the church, um, what the church does right in um, advocating for the rights of indigenous people and, and caring for our neighbors. And, and I, I guess I use that as an example to say that there is a leaning in that I see um, as a relatively new Catholic within the Catholic community and locally within this diocese to say, okay, we're we're not going to deny, we're not going to run away from, but we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna work toward making better and acknowledging and um, and, and being proactive about that. And I that's um, that's who you want to be associated with. I think as a as both a Catholic and as you know, it's, I, I I get to be a Catholic and I get to be employed by the church, which mm-hmm. is a unique situation. But that's what you want in both your faith and your employer. Yeah, that's good. Okay, let's kind of wrap this up with some some optimism and maybe some invitation as well. We, as we've mentioned a few times, there's great work being done and opportunities for more to be done still. The intended audience for this podcast is faith leaders in and around Colorado Springs. We want to activate the local church, not just churches, but people who want their lives to matter and for their faith to matter in our city. How would the two of you invite the Cause I Love You community, perhaps our Protestant brothers and sisters, people of faith in our community, to consider partnering with the good work of our Catholic friends? How can we realize that despite the fact that we may observe worship and faith differently in our respective churches, we still all desire for our faith to be part of transforming our community for good? What would you how would you invite us into that work together? Yeah, that's the question in some ways. So we have right. we have to figure that out together, pray about it, talk about it. The night before I was ordained to serve as bishop here, we had a prayer service and there was a Protestant minister and a Jewish rabbi present there on purpose to welcome me and to be a brother to me uh, or a sister to me. And that was huge. Uh, today I'm having lunch with a Lutheran, uh, the Mormon leadership. We do that regularly um, just to talk about common issues or how we're doing with each other and pray for each other. Um, so simple things like that, If I guess I'd encourage people to get to know your neighbor, mm. be willing to walk with somebody. Um, if, uh, if you're not in a church community, I invite you to please walk into one. Uh, ask your friend to bring you. Uh, we pray better together than alone. So I love ecumenical interfaith prayer services. Some, there's a spirit there that we can't do otherwise in some ways. Um, so those are my first thoughts, just to be intentional about it. Do, do we desire to want to be brothers and sisters? If so, let's be them. Yeah. That's really good relationship. Yeah, it's pretty easy for us because we um, we need we function on volunteers, and, mm-hmm. and you can go to the Catholic Charities of Colorado Springs website and, and get involved in volunteering pretty quickly. And and that is, as I mentioned, is a way that um, I think that the Catholic and Protestant community can work together. I think the the interaction with City Serve and um, and hopefully the growth around um, what we're able to do there. And I think having Catholic the Catholic faithful involved in City Serve too. I, I would put that back into the kind of that arena because I my sense is that city serve is as an example is um, is predominantly Protestant folks that are going out within the communities and that's that that's that church group that's been involved so I think it it'd be great for for the Catholic um, uh, faithful to be a part of that an equal part of that um, effort moving forward um, and then I you know general and this may be um, a little bit uh, 
kind of cheesy, but I, that's not just Catholic charities. That is, it, it would be Catholics working with uh, the Springs Rescue Mission or uh, the incredible work they're doing at the Sanctuary Church and, mm-hmm. and all these other mm-hmm. um, organizations in town. It, you can be Protestant and volunteer for Catholic charities, and you'd be Catholic and volunteer for uh, Springs Rescue Mission, and we're all doing... Um, uh, we're all treating our neighbor as our God and and uh, living up to Jesus' command. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. I mean, first of all, relationship, but it's not just about relationship. There also has to be some action to it. And that is, again, as a reminder, that's just that tangible part of what we talk about it, because I love you, that your faith should mean something. It should move you to action in some way. And so we would certainly welcome as many of our Catholic friends to be involved in things like CityServe and some of the work that we do, but we would also in- encourage and invite those of us who are part of the maybe because I love you community, maybe that you know kind of larger Protestant community that that kind of follows with what we do to get involved in some of the action points that Catholic Charities is doing so many good things on. So, Bishop James Golka, Andy Barton, I just can't thank the two of you enough for making time to be on this podcast together. Not to mention your ministry and your work in our city. It is such a privilege to call both of you friends and partners in our city. So, um, just very briefly, what's the best way for people who are listening to us to follow the work that you're doing? Yeah, so social media can help us out there. Yep. Um, so uh, if you want to learn more, you can find find what you're looking for. Um, I always caution our youth about social media, but say look for the right things there. Um, and people can always just contact a church, contact a local pastor, um, contact the diocese. On our diocese website, the Diocese of Colorado Springs, there's a, a spot where you can just send a note to your bishop. So I get five of those a day from various things. Um, from some people who are not Catholic who just want me to be aware of something or ask for a prayer intention. Mm. So those are a couple ways, I guess. Mm, that's great. Andy, for you guys? Yeah, I think the same would be, um, it'd be the same for us. And we are, so because we're um, associated with the diocese, uh, we are, um, we have a presence within the the um, website of the diocese. We have our own social media and, and that all pops up when you, when you Google uh, Catholic Charities of Colorado Springs. It's easier than giving the website, but uh, that's our way of communicating both with the folks we serve and, and folks who are interested in, um, and, and, or uh, you can always just stop by uh, the Marion House uh, if you're here in Colorado Springs and see what we do or, uh, or ask to help and we can, we can find a spot for you. And let me encourage you, those of you who are listening, especially if you've been involved in something like CityServe in the past, perhaps even if you've not, uh, and you just want to kind of get a glimpse, sign up for perhaps a CityServe opportunity to go and visit Catholic Charities, certainly the Marion House Soup Kitchen, some of the other folks uh, or some of the other places that are around town during these CityServe opportunities, or here we are in the summertime. This is a great chance for you to be able to just take your family and go serve somewhere uh, at a time that perhaps you're not tied up by some of those things that pop up during the school year. So there you have it, friends. Um, Thanks for joining us on another, uh, I think, just great conversation on the Because I Love You podcast. I hope you'll take a couple of things from this episode. First, we have so much to gain by working together, Protestant and Catholic, in our city. We just simply can't afford to continue working in parallel without acknowledging and partnering with each other. And for far too long, I think we've just been separated by what few things we believe that are different. So let's start a new chapter where we're connected to each other by what we mutually agree is important, the centrality of our faith and the mandate that we all share to care for the poor and the hurting in our city. I hope that you recognize that you can do something about that, that you can join up with an organization like Catholic Charities, regardless of your personal faith tradition, and just contribute to the good work that they're doing in our city to care for people. I volunteered with them. They're so good at what they do, and they'd love to have your help. So you could also make it a point to get to know a neighbor or a coworker who's Catholic or Protestant and just get to know their faith. And I think you'd be surprised by how similarly you see the world. So perhaps this conversation inspires you to join up with others and to be a part of bridging this divide that has stood for, frankly, far too long. Agreed, guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, blessings to you, you. Stu, and all you do and all that Cause I Love You does. Thank Thank you. you. And we'll see you next time on the Cause I Love You podcast. Wow, what a great conversation. Um, Listeners, I hope that you were inspired by that as much as I was. I I hope you were intrigued as much as I was. Um, There were so many good things. I hope that it maybe sparked a personal interest to perhaps get to know either one of these two leaders, and they're very accessible people in our community, despite the fact that they're doing so much. Um, But Corey, I know that you were listening in on this conversation 
and there were probably a number of things I would guess that stood out to you. Tell me a couple of things that just off the cuff here yeah. that you heard. Yeah, I think the first thing I'll mention is just the vast nature of both the Catholic diocese and the services that Catholic charities kind of provide. The scope of all the they do, right? The scope of all that they do. Andy Barton mentioned 75 programs that this year served over 100,000 people. Yeah, really impressive. That's vast. That's a huge amount of people. And if you're thinking about the area that they cover, Bishop Golka talked about 10 counties from Leadville to Lyme. Um, and just to put that into scope, Stu, I'm, I'm thinking in our context, because I love you, we serve from fountain to monument. We serve the Pikes Peak region. We serve here in Colorado Springs, certainly. And that feels big. But then to hear Bishop Golka say 10 counties, Leadville to Lyman, to me, that's huge. Yeah. And I mentioned one of the numbers is that that 10 county area is populated by over 1.1 million people. Ooh. And the Catholic Charities' kind of efforts do not limit themselves to the people who ascribe to Catholicism. Mm. They would say that they would serve anybody and everybody in those regions who were asking for help. So you're talking about a potential for hundreds of thousands of people that they could be responding to at any given moment. And I just think it really is impressive. I think the thing that stood out to me, and of course I would say this, is um, let's build relationship mm. and trust yeah. as we look towards working together. It's both. It's both relationship and action. I, I mean, I affirmed that in our conversation, but gosh, so much could be done if we chose to lean into one another, yeah. if we chose to just reach out to a neighbor, to a friend. I mean, I mentioned that in that area, 16% of our population identifies as Catholic, which means if you're not Catholic and you're listening to this, there's a one in six chance that one of your neighbors is Catholic, mm. that one of your coworkers yeah. is Catholic. Um, and what would it look like to just take them out to lunch, have them over for coffee, and just say, can you just talk to me about your faith? Yeah. Tell me how you practice this. How do you live this out? Can I share you how I do the same with mine? Mm. Um, I think that sort of opportunity and relationship can produce or birth so many things that only good could come from. Yeah. And when he said, you know, um, Bishop Golko referred to kind of the Pope saying that if if we could just sit down and get to know one another, we yeah. could we could change the world. That's beautiful. I found it also interesting that he has found in his experience, Bishop Golka, that rural churches mm. tend to work together better because mm -hmm. there's this sense of we need each other. And I don't know what that would take to foster that same mentality in our urban populations, in our cities, in Colorado Springs. But I believe with Bishop Golka that that is a fantastic way to get things done mm -hmm. and a necessary way to get things done and to just be in community with one another. We're better together. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised that this is the second time in this episode I'm referring to the podcast we did with Dave Runyon yeah. a number of months ago. Uh, again, a good friend who wrote a book called The Art of Neighboring. Um, Dave's up in the Denver area. And that book came from this idea, a conversation he had with, I want to say it was the mayor of Denver at the time, a number of years ago, who said the best thing that we could possibly do to serve our community is just be a good neighbor. Hmm. And I, I think that that is something that anybody can do. Um, you don't necessarily have to go to the soup kitchen. You don't necessarily have to drive across town. You don't have to be the volunteer of the year at some local um, nonprofit of some kind. If you can simply get to know your neighbors, build relationship and trust in a way that expresses some vulnerability and some care and some, some service for one another, there's so many good things that can come from that. So, well, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. More than that, I hope that it inspired you to do something with it. Not only get involved um, with the great work that our Catholic charities and Catholic friends are doing in our community, continue to kind of cross that bridge, but also to just get to know some people. If this episode has been helpful to you, I'd love it if you could pass it along. I'd certainly enjoy it if you could rate it, like it, share it. Um, just tell us how we're doing. And again, as always, if there are things that you think that we could be talking about in our community please do let us know in the comments and review section. Thanks so much for being a part of this conversation. We do this every single month, and we look forward to seeing you next month on the Cause I Love You podcast. 